I think uh, uh, that's the lady at, uh, at the time at the, at the downtown gallery. Oh, Helen, uh, someone? Uh, that's earlier. She's still around? No, not Marie Harriman. She, she, was, she had her own gallery or something else. Is this woman whose estate came up for sale about five years ago, four years ago? Or, uh... I, don't, I, I don't remember. Let me, let me think uh, who else. Oh, and, and uh, I had already contacted yeah, I already contacted uh, uh, J.B. Neumann. J.B. Neumann was very nice. Now, now, Neumann, I'm not familiar with that name. How is that spelled? What do you think? N-E-U. N-E-U. N-A-N-N. And Neumann had a very nice gallery in the same building, uh, a couple of floors down, 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 down in Stevens head. And, uh, he was also very appreciative, and I would have eventually made that, you know, did, did some things. So at this point, you had you just had no photographs at all that you were showing. Yeah, but what happened at this? What? Uh, that's right. I had no photographs to show. You know, I wasn't showing any photographs. I was just only occasionally playing with, with something. Well, I, I was using it to make to, you know, sometimes to. Uh, did you have the little grass things, or did you send those later? No, that was after. That was after thirty-five. I mean that's a, that was after. Oh, after after uh, I had some of those, and, and after I came back from New York in '35, and uh, you know, looking over the whole situation, I, I began to think of photography more in relation to the whole thing too, and and uh, so I I I took some uh, I had some Rolleiflex pictures, and I was sort of got some pictures with the Rolleiflex, and and cut that. Four by four, I was shaped down. You know, I, was, I had a mask down in the camera, and uh, and I got made some very nice little little things that way. Contact prints, almost. Yeah, the they were all con yeah, they yeah. were contact prints. See, I didn't have any larger, but that was that was was very intriguing just to get the get into this field. But the interesting part about this thing was that that uh, and I still have some of those. But what is interesting to me is that all of the all of the things that the average photographer takes, seems to take almost half a lifetime to work out. I worked out in in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in one or two uh, seasons right here in Prescott, you know, photographing. I mean, sort of the cliches everyone has to work through. That's right. Just in these little sizes, wouldn't waste anything, you know. And uh, when I was ready to go, I got that eight by ten. And uh, and within a, within a, a f uh, after getting a few over dense negatives or, or a few things that I had to get here, here I was on my way. Mm -hmm. I'm selling some prints off of the first some of the first shots. Uh, you know, that rabbit. That rabbit was made a, in 1938, the same a, year that uh, is a, is a I got the eight cam eight by ten camera and it has a number 30 on it, which I take to be the 30th negative, roughly. That could be. At least be. the 30th one that you kept at that yeah, time. Yeah, I had a lot. Of, I had well, done some chicken. I, one, some yeah. of the first things I did was some of the chicken negatives. And so I was going into radical, you know, going to radical material, you know, right away. Mm -hmm. uh, let's take it just to stop here. I'm going to search for a glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to search. Well, but, uh, uh, pump the well. Yeah. You, don't, you, don't you find this that some, some, some help? Some, some some sense in what I'm saying about a way out of the Stieglitz dilemma, in, in, mm -hmm. in the sense of the confusion that that revolves around all these things. You, 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 sometimes you read some of these things and you say you want to be for it, then you say then you can't be for it, for the guy, you know, in, mm -hmm. in the way it is. And it's because of 
There are some damn good reasons. Well, I think your way of, of uh, expressing it, the, the fact that there were certain key unclarities in Stieglitz's own expression, which obviously, when you get to the re-expression of that in other people's writings about Stieglitz, <gasps> that some of those people understand some of them, as he might have meant, and others of them understand what their construction of his attempts are, and that becomes a whole other thing. And um, I know that uh, uh, Peter Bunnell, of course, who's done a lot of work trying to find out about Stieglitz, has remarked to me that <laughs> he doesn't know how Stieglitz sounded, but he knows that it was not like anybody has said. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like Doris Bree said. It wasn't like Dorothy Norman said. You know, it's close maybe, but you know that much he's convinced of. You know. Well, I can't, ex you see, I mean, I wish I could sit down and sit down with, with uh, Bonnell and, and talk to him, but I can't do it. I, uh, uh, there's something about this, you see, uh, uh, Bonnell, we touched a little bit on this. Uh, it was a, was a uh, student admirer and, and to some degree a follower of mine, and this is how he got into it. Yeah. I mean, he, he had a lot of respect for, for how minor feelings related to the things and how all this relationship to, he thought took place and uh, he has been trying in some way or other to say this and in his own way uh, he's faithful to that but it's not it's not professional this is so that's what I want to get right down to the business you know? and and if I if I uh, if you you know I mean we're, we're already friendly enough so, so that I hope we, we don't leave before we have this clarified, because this is the key to your penetrating endless lot of problems and, and walking through a lot of Gordonian knots that don't exist. And that is to get this clear of what it is that I'm talking about. And if, if, I, if, if what I'm saying is sound, sounds too shady, it's your, or it's your obligation right now to tell me where it is shady, because we want to straighten this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you on... Uh, yeah, because, uh, this there, because this can be done, you know, there's so much that cannot be done and said in art about art. Because there's so much about life that cannot be said about life. Sure. Because that would be just, a, uh, that would be like you were able to create life if you were able to say what life was. Yeah, well, I'm concerned with what so, can be said. That's right. So let's be concerned with what can be said, and there's some hope in that. understand right? a little about yeah, what can. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Although this involves some of the mechanics, you know, uh, and, and this, uh, the mechanic, even it's easier with the mechanics. And, uh, but mm -hmm. it's not as easy as, easy as, as saying, you know, I mean, you know, uh, in a sense we were talking like this three years ago. But then now we've had well, three years of printing. To working together on prints, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the real battleground where you really find out what it is that you do. You, know? you don't do it for the sake of the, of the, of the, uh, uh, the cosmetics of the thing. You do it because the life of the, uh, this thing exists in no other terms but the, the structure that is displayed, and uh, a little bit shaved off here and the density a little bit added there. How, what this does to the balances is unbelievable. If, if this is, if, you know, is done with any, any basic sense, and these things can can cannot you know, they cannot be talked about, but they can be shown. See, there's there are the things right. that can only be said, and this is a quotation from from Wittgenstein. And only the things that can be shown, and there's the things that can be said. You know, I, I'm I'm dying to throw this out, is because it's been in my mind uh, since I started reading some of the things that uh, you've said and written. Uh, about, and this is really, I'm really jumping ahead, but this is a 
from what you said is a perfect springboard to that, um, where you've used, you've talked about, um, and in the Poetic Logic book and in other places, where you've talked about thinking about thinking and images about images. And one thing that I wanted to uh, sort of throw out was I, I wondered <clears throat> if you were familiar with uh, Susan Langer's book, Philosophy and New Key, where she, uh, it occurs to me that although she's using very different terms, that the two kinds of things she's talking about, which she calls, I believe, uh, discursive and presentational symbolism, are very much uh, That's right. An analogy but to or, or see that you, you, as long as you as you're fooling, uh, I, I use the word fooling advisedly, with the word symbolism, you mm -hmm. see, you're wrapping something around the egg, and <laughs> you see, and and uh, you know, I'll take take it from there, and and uh, and one is distur discursive, and the other one is what is it? Dis she didn't say display. Presentation. Presentational. Well, display. You see, it's mm -hmm. well now. Uh, the, uh, there are some people in science who have uh, been been uh, plugging the idea now for some time, but they're not they're not too much in the ascendancy yet on the idea uh, that, that that categories you know really should be made, and and one of the categories in a sense should be a display. And uh, uh, you see, because the display would take care of a great deal of what has to be buried or fished out of, out of a priori in, in Immanuel Kant. A display is, is something that is there. Mm -hmm. and, and so it is an a priori. You know? A priori to what? If you, if you say a priori, then it's a priori to a fact. You see, display, display is, is, is outside time. But if you say a priori, that's that's just a, that's a butterball of of, of, of uh, time implications and, and uh, thinking about thinking, mm -hmm. and what you have thought and what you should think. It's it's hopeless. But you think that Langer's basic idea of the, of the, those two of trying to. I would say I would say that that she is still in the in uh, we could almost say that it, it, we saw that in the Stieglitz tradition. If Stieglitz were the one, you know, to, to have, have laid down the tradition, I'm sure that this is a, mm -hmm. she's talking. She's bringing some order into generalized concepts. That's the first things that still pass as general concepts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, she does it with a certain uh, 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 conviction, uh, which Stieglitz also had, you see. And so she, in a way, parallels Stieglitz. So, so she's convincing to people who still are, are leaning on thinking about thinking. But the minute that you lean on thinking about thinking, about things which are only to be dealt with in display... Yeah. So essentially she's, she's got half of the idea about the whole. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And when you, when you have the stone, you know, he's going to send us a bottle of champagne. Don't do it. Coca-Cola. <laughs> you know? Coca-Cola. Coca <laughs> but you know, and, and, but you will make me happy, you know, just, just by working at this a little. You know, really happy because it's just endless. What, what troubles that that will disappear. And the nonsense. I mean, for in the business that you're in, for instance, where you are constantly, uh, uh, you know, obviously, hearing a guy pouring his soul out one way or another. Mm. And uh, boy, will you need this? You need this. Yes. Organizing devices are very much needed. <laughs> yes. That's right, because you know, you is it, is it, I mean, don't don't use these expressions on. 
on the people until you have them a little worked out, you know? Yeah, well, the expression yeah. isn't yeah. what's important in the sense as if I can organize my thought. Yeah, that's you know, right, that's right. In those terms. But you're going to find that even in our discussion, you, you, you're going to uh, be able to, to say, you know, bring it. Right, well, what, what, what happens, of course, and it's sort of funny in a way, in, in, in the course of our interview is that, that uh, you socialize me to the use of your terminology and your concepts, you know, essentially, which is as it should be, really. But it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, humorous uh, in a way. It, it, well, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm interested in it, not just because it represents, you know, my, my pet idea of mine, but oh, because right, this, no. is the only, uh, this is the only functional thing that I know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I have a feeling that uh, it's about the only functional thing on the scene. Because this ties into uh, this, uh, some of these things, you know, come out of, uh, the, the, in other words, the, the linguistic solutions to what is display, you know. Uh, I've helped myself with, with in, in, in uh, Wittgenstein. But the, uh, the design, the, what, how the display is ordered, how the display is managed, that, that, is the, that is the background of architectural design. That is design, that the design discipline as a whole. And, and I consider, in other words, anybody in these fields, or even maybe tangentially into these fields, is not a professional unless he has come up through the through this training of the of the of display, which which of course is, is, is design in the design disciplines. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that does not it does not follow. You see that at least up to this point it doesn't follow that it is easy to describe in, in, in linguistically, what happens in display? Oh, sure, right. That's a whole other. Well, I mean, you can divide, you can explain it in a in a in a in a, in a uh, experiment, like like dealing with a map, you know, in position and things like that, or making diagrams. You know, that's sort of like an experimental mm -hmm. way of dealing. And say, pretty soon you realize the guy knows that's too big or so. Okay. But anyway, just just let me put one sure. more more touch into this, and uh, this is a. Uh, this this whole Stieglitz problem hangs like like uh, uh, I like gloom over 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 uh, over a lot of misunderstanding and and, uh, and uh, over a lot of very beautiful things, and uh, it would be a great service for people gradually start to clear this this thing up, mm -hmm. and it is not too late. I mean, a guy like myself, for instance, with a, with a few uh, uh, people who linguistically, uh, you know. Know how to write and, and care to write. I mean, yourself for that. And gradually get this thing worked out, and, and uh, sit down with these texts and with these things, and say, well, now what could this possibly have meant? You know, let's take this out of from the clouds. You know, and so clouds, on. Yeah. And and uh, we get somewhere. And, and this is a this is a, uh, a very very positive and very needed thing. Yeah. Speaking of clouds, well, since you mentioned it. Um, did, did you, and this is a kind of a humorous way to make a jump, but uh, did you see at that point uh, Stieglitz's own photographs? And I'm thinking of the cloud photographs. Uh, or are they not in evidence? What was there? he doing then? Uh, no, he was, uh, he was spotting two or three prints, uh, small prints. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, just, I just very briefly uh, saw them. And uh, he had something up in the office. And, you know, so he showed me. You know, he, got, he got some things out. There were trees. There were there were uh, uh, shots of uh, skyscrapers in Manhattan, you know. And uh, 
some things that are like George. And not too many, but enough uh, enough to see uh, enough to see that that uh, uh, he had he had the grasp, you know, he had the grasp. He didn't have the he didn't have that, that the stunning stylistic flair that's that sort of that strikes one off when you first see uh, a Western, you know, some of the best Western things. Mm -hmm. But he had a he had a beautiful uh, sense of of, uh, of loosely distributing these things quantitatively where they sort of belong. You know? mm -hmm. What I did not see in them was a, uh, was a degree of complexity. He hadn't advanced for my money and, and never did ultimately advance to the degree of complexity that, that I think modern art already demanded at that time. He had, uh, he had shown great appreciation of what people had done in Europe. He had shown it. But uh, he himself had not taken his work you know, to that mm -hmm. complexity. Okay. And, uh, I shudder for for positive and for negative reasons. What he would have thought if he had seen if he'd seen my things now, you know, the way he was thinking at the time. Who knows? Yeah. It's hard to know. He might have said, "Go away." You know? Yeah. You know? But I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think so either. Well, so to to go back to the chronology of these events for a minute. In uh, November of '35, you're in New York mm -hmm. and you meet with Stieglitz. Then in the following. If you want to try. Period of time, you begin to you begin to uh, consider photography again, and you describe these uh, these roly or partial roly contact, uh, and how you're working through some of the basic things everyone has to go through, so to speak. But and then the following year, um, you go to California, and you meet Weston. Oh, then uh, then uh, the, what happened was. So yeah, here I had this group of small photographs with me, you know, these little things that I had. I had some uh, large drawings and watercolors and, and uh, a number of things, and uh, and we had uh, we had met the uh, Armitage you know, in 1944. I mean, he became quite friendly. Thirty-four. Thirty-four, yeah. And uh, so now, wait, you you how under what circumstances had you met Armitage? I just went to I just went to see him. I just went to see him. Oh, in, L in L.A.? Yeah, I, I just went to see him. I mean, the very, uh, <laughs> went to his office. He was an impresario. I mean, I used to... Right, he booked you know, all these great tours. I've been uh, reading his, his book you know? about his life. So I just went to his office and, and uh, asked to see him, and they uh, let me in, and, and I, I just... Uh, I had a few things. I mean, it, it's better to... I actually he literally had a few things with me, so, but just a few. Mm -hmm. and, so, I, yeah. and I said, you know, I, I uh, you know, I was smooth about these things, you know, this approach and that thing. And, and I, so uh, I said to, uh, and you know, I, I, uh, you know, I live in Arizona where we're temporarily in, in California and uh, I realize, you know, and I, I realize you, you know, you know whatever <coughs> it is, you know, that, uh, that he had been very instrumental. And he was also doing some things with the public works. Uh, Financing of artists' work, you know. So, so he he had to be sort of semi-public man at that point, you mm -hmm. know. So it wasn't unreasonable to go and see him. And uh, so I said, I I would uh, I'm not uh, looking at the moment for support, but just just to to get acquainted, you know, in exchange, visiting cards. I would like to show you a few uh, a few of my things. You know, and, uh, no, you're talking about Armitage, still? Uh, Armitage. Yeah. That was in his office in 1934. Well, that was that was about two o'clock in the afternoon. 
and uh, and so he gave me, and he was very interested in what I had. He was very, very interested. In fact, I didn't know how interested he was because uh, we were living in, over, uh, over a garage or something like that. Mm -hmm. we, something like that. Apartment. Someplace, you know. Yeah, university. I don't remember exactly where he was living at that moment because I was talking to him at his office. And, uh, but he had very carefully taken down the name and address and everything, you know, where I was in Los Angeles because he says, I want to meet him. We want to meet again, you know. And, uh, but by God, you know, by the time I got home about six o'clock or so, the, uh, the lady that had rented us this thing, you know, uh, came over and said that there was a telephone call or something. And uh, uh, that was kind of surprising. So I went in here was Armitage. And it turned out Armitage's girlfriend, you know, the woman he was living with, was a painter. And, uh, and uh, so they went over, he, said, they, he said, I'm still excited and I want to bring so-and-so over. You know, would it be would it be feasible tonight? Mm -hmm. And I said sure. So I gave gave a little further address, and so they came up, and we just had a great time. And uh, you can see how quickly these people, you know, they were stars. See, I mean, I already had quality then. You know, and it was already you get nervous when you see who's something. What else does this guy have? You know, mm -hmm. and this guy went home. You know, and he he was like, oh, when I saw it, and she said, she said, what can I put what I but when I heard, I couldn't wait. I wanted to see this right away. Armitage apparently you know, was always very quick to react. Oh, very oh, yeah. quick, very quick, and very, uh, very uh, uh, good friend, a very good friend, and and, uh, and I certainly showed that uh, extensively with Weston. You know, it was a good friendship. So he's the one who sent you to Weston. All right, but then that, uh, then what happened was this. Well, yeah, don't jump the, uh, yeah, the story, year. Francis. Please. It's another don't. year, yes. I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> the machine is the machine is hearing you. And, uh, <laughs> So what happened was that uh, we got very friendly and, and uh, he looked at things and, and she brought a few things over and, and uh, to show us, uh, you know, and so on. And so that was that. And uh, so we went back, uh, eventually we went back came to Arizona and that, then it became, third, uh, then that fall, fall of the, well then that was 34. It was 36 when you went back to California. It was probably in the spring of 35. Oh, wait, 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 Let's see. In, in no, hold it. Let's see here. Just from what I've seen, in '35 you moved to Prescott and you went to New York in November. Then the following year, sometime is when you went to California. That's right. So in the in the summer, in the summer of '36. Yeah. So here we we kind of come on. So in the summer of '36, in June I think it was, uh, we went. Francis had a vacation, a two week vacation, and we decided to go to California. In those days, the beaches were just great because there was almost nobody on those beaches, you know. So we went down to, to uh, oh, a place that we just mentioned recently, uh, anyway, just below, below uh, some of these, uh, these uh, summer colony type things, you know. And well, anyway, uh, the first thing actually we did when we went to, we got over there, I remember, and, and uh, we rested up a little bit and I picked up the telephone and called up Armitage. And uh, so he was delighted to, to be here, and, and, and he said, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, I don't have too much time. Well, <laughs> soon, you know, could I see? Would I see? So, I don't mean, so, so come on up tonight. So he went up there, and he was in a, in a place that, I guess he had just really changed uh, address. And he was up on some hill like Los Angeles, it's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. Hills one hardly knows sometimes exist, right, yeah. and uh, so we <laughs> went there, and uh, we had a fine evening, 
and while I was showing him, you know, the, these uh, uh, drawings and, and watercolors and what I had in the very soon, I said, I just said to him, I also have a, I have a few photographs, small photographs here. I would like you to see. So I got these little things up. The guy was just so excited, you know, and uh, and, and and so was his girlfriend, and uh, so uh, you know, it was it was it was you know, it wasn't a, a fraction of a of a minute, you know, really. And he said, you know, who I think would really like to see these things is Edward Weston. And I said, well, that that would be nice. And uh, I said, well, where is he? He said, oh, Edward West isn't so far from here. He's down in Santa Monica. And so he explained to us how to get there. And he said, and, and he said, well, why don't you just, if you got the time, why don't you just go out there tomorrow morning sometime and, and uh, just knock at the guy's door and, and tell him that, that I suggest, mm -hmm. you know, I come down. So the uh, next morning we went down to, uh, to uh, Santa Barbara in this beautiful little canyon. And, uh, you know, no, Santa Monica. Santa Monica, yeah, yeah forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we knocked at the door and, and here a sleepy man looks out of the window upstairs. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, I said, you know, like, we, you know, you know, Except, uh, I forgot how, so the idea was that I did, you know, I had suggested I, I would come to see him, you know, come mm -hmm. to see him. And he, and he immediately, uh, he immediately said, oh, uh, uh, well, he was waking up, and he says, please, just a minute, just a minute, we'll be down and open the door for you. And uh, so he came down and they started to make some coffee. He was living with Karis uh, at that time, Karis West, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Wilson. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so before, for a long while, oh, before we started to show things in each other, uh, to, uh, to each other. He would have just met Karis, I wouldn't practically very Very soon, yeah, they had this before. very fiery meeting, and, 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 and <laughs> we blew the, the head to get out of it. Because <laughs> her father, you know, was upset by this. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little, uh, that's uh, It's probably half the fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Anyway, so uh, what the hell happened? Well, because then, then uh, it it wasn't. Uh, I don't think we were there. We weren't there uh, uh, an hour and a half before we were the, we were exchanging drawings. I was giving him drawings for photographs, and we did quite a lot of swapping there. Mm. And uh, now he he had to reprint it, you know. And so he said, and we told him what he said uh, what our plans were. That we had another week there. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have to go back to California. So they made it as promised them that we would come to see them again. And then he would have all of these, these prints ready. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then he, he said, I also want, want, to, want to arrange uh, for, so that all of us can go to all the Ironsburg. See, Weston was a rebel. Anyone I mean, when he believed in something, he believed in something just like that. Not just playing cozy, you know. Mm -hmm. It's going to show it to somebody. This guy might not like it, you know. And then it leaves me in the bed. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Weston was really, very fun, very good. So uh, uh, anyway, we had a fabulous day there, and it was uh, late at night when we left. Mm -hmm. And we got there exactly at 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, just like, like youngsters. Mm -hmm. by, by that youngsters. 
And uh, so we had a fabulous time, and no time we were laughing as Western was capable of, you know, really letting himself go in, you know, when, when he was in the mood of things. I mean, it, it wasn't just like, you know, I wasn't so old then. How old was I then? Uh, 35, 36, 36, 1936, 31, 31, yeah. Jesus, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> By the way, what is your age? 30. Oh, you're lucky bastard. You're almost a babe. Yeah. Uh, lucky, lucky guy. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, we had a fabulous time, and, and we started, the, the quest to compare our lives, you know, what we've been up to, because they were very interesting. <laughs> And, uh, uh, and so we started to compare experiences in Mexico and Brazil, you know, and God, and we'd laugh because there were so many parallel situations that we could remember, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, later, you know, it was, it, it, I could see, you know, more, I could understand better, even than other people, what it was we got out of Mexico, you know, and the release. Mm -hmm. The release from an extra shot, uh, those of Puritanism that he also had to had to dump all the boy. Mm -hmm. hmm. So it was quite a day. Did you yeah, um, day. see him again then during that trip? Then we, uh, then at the end of this uh, week, you know, when we were about to, to, to come, go, ready to go back to Arizona, we went there to uh, went there to see them, and I forgot what we did. We met, we all went to Arnsberg. You did go to the Arnsberg. Yeah. And then, whether that was that time or not, we had some had dinner there or not. But then I think we went somewhere. I guess we ate something at their place at Weston. Then we ate at Weston's and, and went there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interesting part about that is, uh, uh, only one of the interesting many, many bunches, that when we saw, uh, we couldn't believe it, when we saw Caris dressed up, you know, she was really dressed up to go to Ernsberg. Mm -hmm. She was the first real hippie girl that I ever saw dressed up. And, and I have the feeling almost like she is developed, and she was the one who developed and invented the whole scenario of, you know, and, and way Sort of, of the scarf and the beads you made in the Yeah, that she had this all figured out long before this became, <laughs> became a thing, you know. And she's like a housewife today. And I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. 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 How well, is her health? Have you heard anything? I have no that? idea. I would, I would just, I would love well, I would love and I would dread both to meet her, you know, and speak of her. It would be. Because yeah. my image of her is from Weston's photographs of that period. It's just incredible, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. She's a very alive, very bright girl. Very, very, uh, uh, very strong uh, uh, sense of, you know, linguistic logic, not too developed, you know. And, and, and of course, the type of. She's quite young, though. Well, yeah. Oh, she could have gone around. 19 or something. Like probably. She must have been about that <laughs> It was hard by not to go and grab her. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Weston felt the same way. <laughs> well, <laughs> although Weston had a very... Weston was disarming, you know, if he'd, if he'd see anybody doing something like that, he'd say, well, go ahead, you know. <laughs> You know, that just that stops everything. You know. Yeah. He was wise. Yeah. He knew how to guard the treasure. <laughs> oh great! Oh my goodness! Well, uh, the the following year, you have this exhibit at the Howard uh, 
Oh, and that, all, that, in that same in that same week or, so, or two there. You arranged this. I went, yeah, I I went over to uh, to Putzel. How the hell did that happen? Did Arma teacher refer you to him by any chance? I think, by God, you know, I'm not I'm not absolutely certain, but I I think it was Weston who who uh, who. Uh, uh, Said why? Why don't you go and see uh, Howard Putzel? Now, I just had he shown Weston, for example, or what kind of stuff? I did don't he know show? what he had done, but he had uh, he was a great admirer of Weston, hmm. Howard Putzel. And uh, and Putzel was a very intelligent man. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Or I have just uh, no idea. Or what he, do you know? He uh, he was the son of a wealthy uh, Eastern family. And. Uh, and uh, naturally, uh, not doing the things that the family wanted, you know, mm -hmm. than him to do. And uh, but somehow or other, he was—he probably got some. He probably had some small income that he managed, so that he was able to uh, to sort of uh, you know operate this little gallery on a string. It wasn't all that little, you know, but uh, the space, or at least. These two, well, yeah, they have as much space as these rooms, kitchen, these two rooms, uh, in, the, in the back of a court mm -hmm. uh, of the Hollywood Boulevard. And he was, he was just simply an intelligent person, and, and uh, a guy who was, uh, who, uh, uh, you know, always read the latest uh, literature that he, he could, could hold out, you know, and, and uh, he could always get hold of a copy of, uh, of uh, or Joyce, you know, when Joyce was hard to get a hold of, and, mm -hmm. and, and so on, you know. And, uh, and, very, and, and also uh, very, very keen on, on uh, it could hang a show like everything. Mm. And uh, I was, I've seen him do several. And uh, also um, uh, had, a, had a, a real uh, sense of. He said he said the very uh, sort of a prophetic thing in the way that he you know I mean he was he sold some things for me he was the only guy who really sold some things for me in Hollywood hmm. drawings yeah uh, watercolor yeah th things like that collages and uh, he said to me uh, friend you know uh, he said you know things you know your things are always you know just they're always really they're different you know. Yeah, they're really good. They're really good. He said, "You know, but you know what it would be. What would it be like if we really could, could just have a preview of what your things are going to be like someday? Mm. And you and, and whether you might even be doing other things. I, I don't know. You might even be doing other things. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. He was right about that." Well then, uh, then he sold some things to uh, some things of mine to an English uh, collector who was a, a writer in Hollywood, and, and this guy was getting was getting uh, good fees, you know, as a writer, and so he could afford to buy art. And uh, this uh, this guy turned into a very good friend of, of Weston, so that Weston this English Englishman came very close. Do you remember his name? John. Yeah. I don't know, ask Francis, you know, the first name is John.
Okay, well, we'll ask Mary. Anyway, this man uh, was it was a was a lot of pleasure and and, uh, and and you know big friends with Weston. John Davenport. John Davenport. Ah. And John Davenport also gave some policy to be some Western things and he gave some things of mine to San Francisco Museum. Some of your photographs, you mean or some? No, uh, no uh, collages. Huh. Collages and drawings. So the San Francisco Museum does have some of your some things in mine as well. Very early things. That would be interesting to see. <laughs> next time I go to San Francisco. That's January. I mean, say, don't be too disappointed when you see some of those things. Well, know. they're early things, but you it's know, always interesting you know. to see how they place yes, themselves. Know. But there, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. I wasn't doing what anybody else was doing. To be sure. I mean, uh, I want to say about that trip to New York in 1935, which I really uh, uh, was really. Uh, very important in many ways. But well, one thing that I came back with you know, in my mind, and uh, uh, a decision. Uh, so on the way back, I was just making this decision. And, uh, and uh, the first week or so that I was here, I was still thinking about that. And never in my life have I kept a decision that I've made, you know, except that one. Mm -hmm. But that one was simple. It was simple, and it's yet the hardest thing in the world. And that was that never again was I going to make a drawing that I knew what I was going to do. I knew the day of that was gone. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you, you have, you know, well, that's what I mean by that. So that the, the idea is simply you, you, you let yourself go, you know, and you do whatever comes out. Well, but of course, uh, this is fallacious because what comes out is what you preoccupy yourself with, you know. So the idea was simply was uh, simply in the end turned out to be a much tougher pursuit to to get more and more interested in in what the how what the order of things was, how things were put together, you know. Think of it in those things constantly, like an engineer, you know, who's thinking about how things are put together in, 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 in some mechanism. In other words, what the elements are of this problem, you know, sort them out using, and then and then and then finally get so sort of using them very quickly. Well, the outcome of this was was a, was a eventual real success, but what a disaster it was for a while. I went through a period there, I looked like I was sick, you know, because I you know I literally was scared. Mm -hmm. yeah? You couldn't do anything by the old rules. You no, not I couldn't do the old rules. I, I, I knew very well how to sketch by the old rules if I knew what I was going to do. You know, I knew perfectly well how to sketch. Mm -hmm. But to, to, to draw, when, when I had no re when I didn't know what reason did I have to go from here to there? All of this, you know, this, this was completely mm -hmm. lost. It's like a compass thrown away. Mm -hmm. And it took, uh, it took at least, it took four years. See, 35. Uh, 36. So by the time Weston, Weston saw some of the first things like that. Yeah, like 36. That. And some of them were, they, they were, they were sick. But, uh, they, well, there were, there were was a few, you know, there was a few in between that didn't show it so much. Mm -hmm. you know? God, did I plow under things, you know? But I kept on with that, like, I never again, never again did I do anything like saying, well, uh, so shape should be about like this. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, interesting uh, thing that, that 
suggests itself to me is uh, a concept in photography that's been associated with Weston and others. That's sort of partly what you're talking about is the whole idea of um, pre-visualization. Uh, and in a sense, what I th hear you saying is that 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 in a drawing, at least, this is what you threw away. That when you where you could visualize the final result, you were no longer interested in pursuing that. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, but what you think about that idea in relation to photography, though, you know? Way that when you where you could visualize the final result, you were no longer interested in pursuing that. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, but what you think about that idea in relation to photography, though, you know, because it's a somewhat different nature. Um, that actually, I ended up practicing the photography. I, I remember, for instance, setting things up here or at the time when I was still working in there, but especially later, somewhat later when I was working at this window, which was a few years later. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, would, I would work with a set of things, you know, and then, and then suddenly I would realize, my God, I understand how that thing fits together, really. You know? And then I'd cool off. I'd just scramble this thing, you know, or start it some other way. Mm -hmm. Forget it. I, so I, I really did this did this to these these things. In other words, some of these things now that uh, that that would apply. I mean, that, that really happened to. Uh, uh, were not clear to me. You know whether they really completely function. Okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, they I, I knew that from a standpoint of design. You know from a standpoint of design, uh, and uh, uh, they they were holding their own. You see, but the. Uh, the greater inbuilt intricacies, you know, that the thing has, you know, uh, I was just taking chances on. You know, I wasn't examining it up to that point. Got to the point where I, I would be satisfied if the structure of this thing was supporting itself, because you know, because that that was just like building a house. I don't want this thing to fall apart, in in its in its simpler fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So, but what are you saying then about pre-visualizing uh, these things in terms of the photograph? In terms of, you're talking about like the assembled pieces and so on, right? Uh, there is nothing wrong. You see what the, 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 Oh, I see. I see what well, we can say this in, a, in, a, in exactly the way it ought to be said, in much simpler. And that's uh, something like this: that we have to do our homework constantly. We have to think constantly about the problem day and night. And this is literally the way I've conducted this business in my mind, and it's all the time. And that's the homework. And the moment that you start to work, it goes out of the window. You get imprinted with this thinking, with this order, with these with these concerns. You know? It's like a, it's a, like the guy saying his Ave Maria sixty times, six hundred times. Mm -hmm. And you find finally there isn't anything else that you can say, but an Ave Maria will come out. You know? And this is what this whole business of praying is about, apparently. <laughs> and and so it is too with with uh, the things that the things that uh, we uh, we surround ourselves by the things that, that impress us everything every shading of what is in the news too much in the news not enough in the news bugs you doesn't bug you you know and so on and uh, then of course uh, you you can see too that this would, the, this uh, I had already been conducting. This situation with the drawings that I wasn't making any drawings that I had any idea what the hell they were going to look like. 
because it was easier there you know, mm -hmm. to freely proceed. You know, I couldn't uh, these some of these things that I like to put together. They were too fragile. I couldn't, you know, just manhandle them. I had to be careful with them. And uh, so, and more and more, it was, it was, you know, just, 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 to, just speculate about ideal conditions or or let's ideal conditions are conditions. Well, you want to you want to have sufficiently represented the things that you care about. That's a, those, that's what's an ideal condition, right? and so you think about those things, and that's what you work with. But then finally, you see, I got I got so that I got became again freer and freer and freer, and using those things without hurting them, you know, without without uh, hide doing being hide bound about this. And and uh, so so once in a while when I when I'd see well, it looks all right, but I don't know whether it's quite whether it's really, you know, what to think of it. That's the one to do. Think that was the one to do. But if I if I could have if I could decide, you know, boy, I think this is really a neat package. This is really pretty com complete. You wouldn't photograph that. No, I got so that I wouldn't photograph those. So that's the answer to it. This, this uh, term pre-visualization has been used, of course, in a number of ways. And, right. and I think maybe if, perhaps if Weston was the first one to use it, it's uh, his, his original use, which as far as I could tell, I mean, he, he was basically saying once you have this negative, uh, you, you've got you to respect it. You can't, yeah. you can't fool with it too he much. He was almost the, saying you're trapped. The, place, the forms are there, the placement yeah. is there, well, I think what the choices are limited. That the, in a, yeah, that the level is more from the same way once you've made the exposure. That's right, yeah. That, but the idea not, uh, well, of course, the idea as it's initially presented in, in its own terms is not that you're limited, but that that um, when you make the exposure, you have an understanding about what the print will be, that that's yeah, well, the term. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, the more, the more I work for the, with photography, the more I, I know that, that it's, you really don't have any idea at all what the print's going to look like. And in the few cases where you have a clue, chances are it is an un, uh, not not such a rich situation. You can and you can see it through to the end. And at that point, you don't bother you don't bother photographing it like Fritz says. And you know, chances are you're more interested in the thing where where uh, it's going to surprise you in the final print, right? because the uh, the camera is constantly doing things that in the process it does things that we we, we can never. Yeah, I've kidded myself for years that gradually that maybe I was improving. In terms of reading a negative, you know, as yeah. to how it's prints, I, 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 I have to be honest. Well, there's nothing left. It's, it's all a sham. I don't understand how a thing reverses, really. No, you mean it's a miracle? The process? Yeah, well, there's yeah. no way to I mean, because to see it, it, it just comes out, there's always an extra. Yeah. And, uh, and it is scary because sometimes you see some magnificent negatives, and boy, can they let you down, you know, you know the, the order. I mean, they're very powerful. Where they arranged, they may even have the great, beautiful gradations. It may even be printable, and and yet it's not there. It doesn't exist. Yet. Yeah. Of course, previsualization also, just to talk about it a little more, has has taken out just a purely technical kind of meaning. I know. Well, in a way, there is such a thing. But in a way, as far as I can see, that that's that leads to a, abuse of the of potentials of the of the medium too. Because whenever whenever I hear of somebody previsualizing and then and then acting in response to what they pre-visualized, it means that they're, they're cutting information out of the procedure, out of the negative. And uh, in other words, that they'll, they'll develop it uh, you know, a great deal more to, to, to expand the tones, or they'll, 
or they'll underexpose or overexpose to try to get this because they don't want they don't need this so they're going to leave that out or you know I, I don't know I don't know what how this gets translated but uh, it seems that the best procedure is, is to get get the information in, in good gradation on negative and and then let, let don't, don't, don't try to edit the process be, before you have no, some kind of result. No, it's in any case. So it's uh, what it really is is uh, what we really ask you because in a sense this implies a question, and the question really is to what degree uh, can we afford to to uh, to to, uh, to to manage this situation? It's a management situation. Mm -hmm. yeah? mm -hmm. And, uh, and obviously, some things we, we better learn and, and, and uh, be, be on guard against. And, and, uh, but I think, as far as uh, as far as the as the juice of the, uh, what is really ultimately exciting in the thing, that's a queen. That's a, that's a that's a uh, something you know, a, a beautiful rich frost that falls on there finally mm -hmm. comes in unsuspected ways. Well, leave us talk about uh, maybe one other thing, and uh, we'll be at the end of this tape here. Um, just about the uh, this uh, the actually getting hold of the eight by ten camera and what that meant, and, and just how you did it. We made some remarks about that, trading some other things, but I just like to clarify uh, first of all what it was that that prompted you to choose that instrument uh, particularly. Well, uh, I uh, I just uh, I just. I didn't like the idea, for for instance, uh, of buying an enlarger. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had seen uh, I had seen enough enlargements. In fact, this is my recollection. I don't even remember having ever made an enlargement at that stage, any place. And uh, I just, for some reason, I wasn't attracted by enlargements that I saw. And uh, I probably would have been if I had seen by the right people, you know, if you think. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Uh, it was simply that uh, somehow the time had come to, to uh, if I was going to fool around, look at photography, because uh, I was I was beginning to see something in the structure of the images, a certain a certain saturated you know, quality, mm -hmm. uh, and and also the fact as as I as I know now better, and and as uh, I was beginning to 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 see within it the map. You see, which I admired so much, in in uh, in planning, you know, in an architectural planning, because that's the part, the, the layout, mm -hmm. that was always the most fascinating. The map, when it wasn't very clear where where things were going to be, you know, at first, like where the places hadn't been assigned yet, mm -hmm. in, in the layout. And uh, anyway, so so uh, given this thing, and then of course I had the. I had acquired these prints of Western, and they, and they were very lush. Mm -hmm. And seeing them, you know, of course, was, yeah. was also an inducement. So I, I decided, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know whether, uh, I don't even know whether, uh, whether I had a chance to talk to Weston on this or not, or something at the time. Uh, but in, in, anyway, I, I, uh, I talked to, talked to, a, um, talked to some, Photo dealers in in uh, Tucson. I mean, in Phoenix you know, at, at that time. That was 1938, mm -hmm. towards the end of 1938. And I showed them to two European, two German cameras that I had, small cameras. I mean, no. One of nine by twelve, and the other one was a 
to the bottom of three. Did you say this was the plavo you still have? Well, it was the plavo that I don't have anymore, but I did. You but you had had from a rosa. Yeah, I had from a rosa, and another came in and I also bought from a rosa, and uh, and showed them these cameras, and they were, were very nice uh, things to have, and, and their chances they were selling them probably were pretty good. Mm -hmm. But they did very well by me. They they, uh, they gave me uh, they gave me this camera which was listed for a hundred dollars, hundred or hundred and ten dollars. An eight by ten. Yeah. What kind of eight by ten? It was a it was a uh, century universal. Century universal. And they uh, they traded me this without any, so I didn't have to pay any any money because that's what I was extra short on. Yeah. And it wasn't before long they, uh, they got me this camera. And then after that, because I had to buy some, to buy some holders. And they were they were already in those days fairly expensive. Yeah. Did you did you get this camera with a with a lens for that? Trade? No, that no that was uh, that came without. Fortunately, I had an eight and a quarter inch lens. That was absolutely ideal uh, for using for making close ups. Mm, and yeah. so uh, I uh, I didn't have to waste any time. In fact, I didn't realize that that lens was going to fit in this until I started to fool around. You know, so it was a little short for normal use. But for not, yeah, but it was it, I uh, was even long enough to do the rabbit, that rabbit, photograph that rabbit. You know, which was taken from a height about like this. About three, four feet off. Yeah, it it uh, it uh, manages that. It just you know just, just covers that, and it, it was a magnificent lens, you know, close up. Now one of the elements of uh, or, or the glued element is. It's, it's coming uncemented, yeah. part of it. And uh, but I have other lenses, fortunately. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so I had that, and and then I'm kind of glad that I was forced to use that that uh, lens for a while, because uh, this that was absolutely the ideal thing to do with an eight by ten, and it still is today. You know, to to take an eight and a quarter, or at the most a, a, a nine inch lens. You know, or eight and a quarter or nine and a half inch to, to most and work close up. And, uh, let's just uh, let me uh, check my, let me uh, let me just ask this as a reference point here. What uh, what was your initial kind of working method in terms of I mean these are perhaps dumb questions, but I do believe that the technical aspects of these all do intermesh just in terms of uh, you know like films and developers. Uh, you know what? What could you get hold of out here for one? And what were you? Well, the thing to? that was easy, it was comparatively easy to get hold of. Although there wasn't, it wasn't, it already wasn't really the thing that people were using commercially so much anymore. But it was still quite a few people were using a pyro, you know, especially pyro, pyro developers. Pyro soda, various kinds of, mm -hmm. or there were various formulations using pyro. Mm -hmm. Pyrometol was was actually uh, one the most practical and, and the uh, the most moderately staining of the of these uh, developers. It was the most practical one to use. Mm -hmm. And uh, other than that, I used um, I used contact paper, you know, like like uh, like Convira. Uh, was that what you mostly Convira Azo or Azo? I used Convira. I, uh, I and then there was a uh, there was also uh, Apex, which is which is uh, uh, Dupont paper. That was also very good. They were um, they were strictly contact papers. Mm -hmm. A little bit richer than the emulsions. What about you know. films? Did you have any 
And films, what the hell were they using in those days uh, for films? The films were somewhat slower. Not, not all that much slower. Did and you ever, uh, well, they, they, were, they were about, uh, you know, they were around a hundred. You know, That's some good films that were yeah. about a hundred. Eastman films, DuPont yeah, films, yeah, just e uh, for, whatever you, know, you for could. Eastman. Or Ansco, a little later things for Ansco. Oh, Ansco, yeah. Yeah, well, Ansco and Agfa at that time were. Yeah. So, is it, um, and this is a. No, I, I didn't buy any, any Agfa at that time, anything really. It was Ansco. Mm -hmm. Well, it all got nationalized uh, yeah. just shortly after. But they, they, they used the word Ansco anyway. Yeah, right. Well, um, this is a. This is a question again that's maybe not real close to the money, but uh, I just because I recently have become sensitized to this myself in terms of bodies of work starting from this period of time. Is uh, are any of the negatives from this early period on uh, anything other than safety film? Are there any nitrate negatives, or because uh, nitrate was still available? Yeah, I probably have some some on nitrate, but they've uh, I don't see any, any particular problems. I mean, what is the what is the problem? And if you if you uh, uh, if you have great money, if you have great great many in storage, you mean that? Well, there's a sense? there's a there's a yeah there's a hazard, you know, of that a safety hazard. If you have a great quantity, you have to have like fifty to hundred pounds of nitrate film to begin to have a problem. But also, it's just it's unstable, and it it will, you know, it will uh, quite suddenly sometimes it will just deteriorate. Mm. It will become very gummy. It'll turn slightly yellow, and then more more yellow. It'll bleach the uh, image away and be, start to curl and become very brittle, as well as sticky. I mean, it can really. I, start, I uh, started buying safety film whenever I remembered, you know, just uh, seeing it in boxes, you know, uh, very early. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you you handled quite a few of my films, and you haven't seen any difference in that. And, and so much of this also depends on, uh, I'm sure, on the on the, uh, how well they were processed to start with. Yes. And my right. processing okay. was very thorough. If anything, I overwashed. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, in fact, actually, they're not really certain what causes nitrate to deteriorate because there are nitrate films that are quite old, that are in excellent condition, and there's some that aren't, that are in awful condition. You know, and this is also, you might not good, good storage, the climate, the, hum the humidity, the temperatures. Uh, well, the humidity is a little low, actually. For nitrate films or general? Well, most film you want, you know, 40%. To 40 to 60, yeah. But uh, this would probably be, be, be lower on uh, a lot of time. But that's better lower than too high, you know. And uh, I, I just wonder, because it is a thing to, you know, consider at, over time. Uh, no, I, I know, I haven't seen any nitrate films here as far as I know. Well, without, it, it would... Uh, Some films... Uh, uh, I don't know something that the safety films often were marked, you know, printed. Uh, practically everything that was safety film says safety film mm -hmm. on it. And if it's not marked, it's, it's probably it's, nitrate. If it's not marked, there's a good chance it's nitrate. Uh, and actually, uh, if it's a Kodak film, I can find out immediately when I get from the notching on the film. Anything else, uh, you know, it's a matter of doing digging it up. Um, but I had just been looking through Bernie Savage's negatives at, in New York for nitrate, you know, because it occurred to me that maybe a lot of it might have been nitrate. Luckily, uh, of a survey of about 100 negatives, there was only one sheet of nitrate, so hopefully that's the ratio. Gee. There's 400 negatives also. Could be that the other 300 are all nitrate. I don't think so, though. Um, but it is a, yeah, it's a problem. It can be a problem. Um, well, what about roll film? Roll film was made in nitrate in 
quite a bit later. Uh, you know, it was manufactured up to uh, some roll film up to the 50s was still nitrate. So that's a much... Two nanoquad by three nanoquad and such? Yeah, um, I don't, I have an, I had an article, I don't have it with me, that uh, talks about that, about how late uh, nitrate films were manufactured in, in each size. Eight by ten, though, the last, uh, the last date of manufacture of nitrate was 1939, for, for Eastman Kodak. Some of the European... When did Eastman Kodak uh, stop making 8 by 10s in nitrate? Uh, that would be interesting to know. No, in 1939. That was the last date in which 8 by 10 film was available at nitrate base. Oh. And so it's just Ansco? about when you start... What about Ansco? Ansco, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. Uh, some of the European ones... And see, Ansco is funny because at different times it's really Agfa and at other times it's really a different company, you know. But uh, some of the Europeans made it a good deal later. But I, you know, but like DuPont would probably be about the same. Um, well, that's good. So I, I, I must have a lot that, you, that are safety. You know? I would think probably everything is. Unless maybe there's some roll film that's uh, yeah. from the 40s. Might possibly be a nitrate. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's the first sign is it starts to yellow slightly. You know, it's an overall yellowing. It doesn't look like a stain. It's, you know, that's what it's, and it has a slight smell of like camphor. So that was the. No, I didn't sell anything that was like the that. And if you're sensitive to odors, you would. That's yeah. like if you opened up the, a glass scene or something, you know, and uh, and you smell this, or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of a thing, or maybe a little vinegary. It, well, that would be improper processing. though, that would not be the problem. But uh, the camphor or a camphor-like agent was the plasticizing agent. And as it evaporates out, they get more brittle. There's no, there's no cure. Mm -hmm. The cure is a copy negative, basically. And that's not really a solution. Mm -hmm. Well, there are ways of making copy negatives that are far superior to the normal way, but, but it's always, uh, it's never the same negative. You know, it's always another generation. Well, I'm wondering if this might not be a... Uh, good place to stop. We're getting pretty near the end here. Yeah.